How do the Baltimore Ravens pivot after the Rams signed Bobby Wagner? We talk about that and more next here on Locked On Ravens. You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we return here with another episode of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Allstriker of Ravens Wire. We're here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Ravens your first listen of the day. We're free and available on all platforms, and we are back. It is a Purple Friday, and a little bit of a somber one, a tiny little bit of a somber one, because, of course, the news that everybody was waiting for for this past couple of weeks would the Baltimore Ravens be able to land Bobby Wagner? And the answer is no. Wagner signed with the Los Angeles Rams on a five-year, $50 million contract worth up to $65 million in bonuses. And it really did seem like it was coming down to the Ravens and the Rams. But I know many people are upset at the fact that, as we've seen before, the Ravens are seemingly a finalist for a player, and then they go elsewhere. DeAndre Hopkins comes to mind, et cetera. Etc. So here today, we're going to have a bit of a conversation, kind of an uplifting conversation, I would say, because I know, you know, it's, I'm a little bit upset too. I, I was on the Bobby Wagner train. I understand where people are coming from, where, you know, this was a needle mover player. We talked about the Ravens needing a needle mover and Wagner was probably the best needle mover remaining on the market. So in the first segment, we'll talk a bit about the inside linebacker position and kind of life without Wagner there. And the Ravens never had Wagner in the first place. So life without Wagner is kind of an exaggeration, but you know what I mean? In the second segment, we'll talk a bit about how the Ravens can pivot in other positions. So where the Ravens could invest the money that they would spend on a Wagner and where they could go from there. We'll look at a list of free agents and kind of analyze which free agents would be the best fits remaining on this Ravens roster. Then in the final segment, We'll dive into mock drafts from Twitter to round out the week. So a ton to dive into today. If you're here with us on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel. We hit 1,000 subscribers. We're going for 2,000 now. We're continuing to grow here. It's a great little community. Actually, I'm not even going to say little anymore. It's, it's a growing community here on Locked On Ravens, and especially on YouTube and also in audio form. We're there as well in audio form five days a week. Same show, audio and video. If you like audio form better, you're driving on your way to work. You're not watching video, hopefully, in the cars you're driving. So be sure to follow on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc. And again, the subscriptions and the following, it all helps out a ton. So thank you to those who have already subscribed. If you're kind of on the fence about subscribing or following, it's free. It doesn't cost anything. And it really does help grow the channel and get this in front of other Ravens fans as well. So again, thank you to everybody. Also be sure to follow me on Twitter at kaustrike34 and the Locked On Ravens account at Locked On Ravens. So let's dive into this Bobby Wagner session here. We're going to talk a bit about the Ravens failing to sign Wagner. And I'm not even going to say it was necessarily a a failure on the Ravens part. Like, yes, the Ravens did come in second is what it seems like the Rams. They were able to kind of make this work. And people are kind of asking, where did the rate or where did the Rams get this money from? And there was a great point I saw on Twitter about how the Rams actually don't really have a ton of guys in the like three to $5 million annual range where the Ravens have a lot of those. So while maybe the Rams and the Ravens have the same amount of bigger contracts, like over 5 million, I think the number was, the Rams don't have as many of those mid-tier contracts in terms of average annual value, and that 
allowed them, I think, to get the room here to sign a player like Bob Wagner to the deal that they did. Now, we talked throughout the week, throughout multiple weeks, about how Wagner with wanting a one-year $11 million deal, kind of not in the wheelhouse that Baltimore is able to offer. Now, Wagner gets the long-term deal from Los Angeles. So I think people look at this deal and they say, wow, they signed a to be 32-year-old linebacker at the start of week one to a five-year deal. Well, it's not It's not actually a five-year deal. I believe it's going to be around more like a two to three million dollar deal. And then you kind of get into all the funny we reworks and everything that goes along with that and the guarantees and the dead money not being as high and everything. So this isn't a five-year deal. The Rams will be off of this deal far, far before it reaches the fifth year of it. And at that point, Wagner could have already retired. We just never know. But for now, I was kind of thinking the Ravens might've been in that three-year range, maybe around five to $9 million per season. I think that's probably where their budget was. I think the number they had was about 7 million in cap space. Uh, If that was the number, you know, giving a player like Wagner, who I think deserves the money he got, like it's it's not a matter of, Oh, is Bobby Wagner a good player? I know people have been trying to downplay it a little bit. Not, I'm I'm not just talking about Ravens people either. There's like people across the league saying, Oh, well he's washed up. He's not the player he once was, but he's still a very good football player. And the fact that again, the Ravens seem to be so close and the reports that they submitted a competitive offer and you know, they were, they seem to be right there with it. And then it just, it not fell apart, but the news comes and everything comes crashing down where it's like, all right, well, he's with the Rams. This is over now. And this is now two times where seemingly Ravens fans have gotten very excited about a signing or a potential signing just to have it backfire. So Darius Smith, first time around, signs with the Ravens, technically agrees to terms, then backs out of the deal before it becomes official. So they lose pretty much a premier pass rusher there. Then it seems like, oh, well, is Wagner coming? Is Wagner coming? And look, he he was never confirmed to be coming to the Ravens. So it was all speculation. It was all, you know, me talking. It was, all right, how could he be a fit? Not how is he a fit? Because he wasn't a member of the Ravens. He was a potential member of the Ravens. So when talking about life after Wagner, there was really no life with Wagner in the first place. You know, it's kind of a, it's a little bit of a loaded statement, I know. But now that Wagner is out of the picture, and he's not coming to the Ravens. How can the Ravens move on on the inside linebacker front? Well, they have a couple of solid veterans of their own still out there in free agency. Josh Bynes and LJ Fort. Are Josh Bynes and LJ Fort Bobby Wagner? No, they are not. But they are solid players, and they can be depth pieces. I still do think the Ravens need to make a move at inside linebacker, an outside addition, whether that is a free agent such as a Quan Alexander, Alexander Johnson, etc., or a player in the draft, there's been a lot of conversation now about should the Ravens spend a first-round pick on an inside linebacker, and it could be Dean, Devin Lloyd, etc. There are really solid middle options in, in the middle rounds as well, like Leah Chanel and Troy Anderson and, and a couple of those types of players that you could really do a great job with. Quay Walker, another one. So I think that the Ravens, they, they have options. Yes, the, the Wagner situation stings, right? It's like you're, you're getting so excited for a player to come in. You're analyzing how he can be a fit and just – where he can play and just the, the the potential of what this defense could be with him. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, he's, he's not coming anymore. So I understand the frustration. We got, we got to move on though. The Ravens have moved on. I'm sure they're pivoting. They're looking for their next move. And while it is disappointing that Wagner is not going to be a member of the Ravens, they do have the options. And now they have the options to go and spend on other positions. People have made the argument. I don't think the inside linebacker position is dying as much as other people do. But the argument is out there. Kajus Mayo and I talked about it yesterday where you're, you're looking at do the Ravens have a need an inside linebacker to the point where they need to spend all this money? And Kajri and I talked about 
how, you know, it's not necessarily dying out right now, but there is, I'd say, less of a need for an inside linebacker on the field all the time, or at least two inside linebackers on the field all the time. So this is, I think, a really big thing for Patrick Queen, too. You know, if, if Josh Bynes does come back, that's great. And Queen is a, an, an amazing talent, someone who has a ton of potential. This is a big year three for him. He showed that potential over the second half of the season, really playing really to the level that people expected him to high energy flying all around the field. That's the Patrick queen that I know he can be, that he knows he can be that a lot of people know he can be, but he has to continue that momentum. And look playing next to a Bobby Wagner, I think would have benefited queen tremendously. I think that would have been great for him, but now Patrick queen seemingly is going to be the MLB one on this team. And that's going to be something that comes with a lot of responsibility. I am going to trust Patrick queen. I trust Patrick queen to go out there and, and improve and be better this offseason. I think he saw what happened to himself in the first half of the season in 2021, and he never wants to get there again. You know, he struggled, and that happens. Young players struggle sometimes. Patrick Queen, not a lot of starting experience at LSU. This is big for Patrick Queen, and I think whoever the Ravens bring in, he'll be able to play off of that player very, very well. But it, it is no secret that Bobby Wagner is one of the best middle linebackers in this league. Would have been a great addition to this Ravens team. I'm not trying to downplay Wagner as a player, it does hurt. The middle linebacker room there as a whole will not be as good without Wagner, but I still think the middle linebacker room will be fine because the offseason, we are still, well, this is actually April Fool's Day, but we just got done with March. We just got done with, you know, the first, second waves of free agency. There's still plenty of time for the Ravens to pivot, to sign a player at middle linebacker, to go and invest other money, other positions. They also have that very talented young linebacker there in Patrick Queen. And also other guys as well, like Malik Harrison is going to be playing a bit of Sam as well. But look, Wagner would have been great. He, he would have been great. <laughs> I was really excited about that potential. But the Ravens now have options. They can pivot, and I think they will do just that. So we'll talk about that in the second segment, just where the Ravens will pivot with their money, what position they could look to invest that in. And maybe the players that are still available, we'll talk about those in the second segment. So be sure to stay tuned. Still a ton to talk about. But first, let me tell you a bit about Bet Online. And again, if you've been with me on this show before, you know that for my college basketball March Madness bracket, I had Illinois and Gonzaga, and that did not go very well for me. But that does not mean you cannot bet on the Final Four or the national champion in college basketball. BetOnline.net is your number one source to do all of that with your betting needs and sports info. It remains the best spot for all your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all leagues this season. And it's also not just basketball. You have a ton of other things that BetOnline.net can do including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. So be sure to head to the website today. Use your phone to learn more about the trends and action that online where the game starts. We're back. Our second segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Allstriker still here with you. We talked about Bobby Wagner and kind of the whole situation surrounding him, him signing with the Los Angeles Rams and the position that the Ravens have right now in my Trusting Patrick Queen to be able to go out there and do some things on the field in 2022 without a player like Wagner next to him. But now let's talk a bit about how the Ravens can pivot and spend the money that they potentially would have spent on a player like Wagner. The Rams gave him that 10-year, 5-year, $50 million deal worth up to $65 million. So let's say the Ravens matched that and he decided to come to Baltimore. Where could the Ravens spend that money now in free agency with the players available? So I have a list up here from Pro Football Focus of the remaining free agents on the board for the NFL through a, through a couple waves of free agency. I'm just going to go through the top ones here, kind of talk a little bit about each one. We'll maybe get to 10 or 15 players and just kind of dive into which one of those could be options for the Ravens now that Wagner 
is not coming to Baltimore and how this team could pivot. So let's start off here. Number one player is still Bobby Wagner. So sadness there. But then you have number 14, the PFF rank, Jadavian Clowney, the edge from the Cleveland Browns. I, I wouldn't hate this signing. I know he is a step down from Zadarius Smith, at least in my opinion, he is. And he usually takes his time when it comes to signing places. It, it takes him a little bit to figure out stuff. But look, he's a great edge defender. He's a better run defender than many at his position. And he's also a good pass rusher. He's 29 years old right now. So not young, not overly old, but he is getting up there in age. The issue with him would be contract. Like, what are you giving Jadavian Clowney? Are you giving him 10 a year? Are you giving him eight a year, 12 a year? I probably wouldn't go over nine a year for Clowney. I know he's probably going to want more than that, but you can spread it out. If you do a three-year $27 million deal, for example, you can have that be a two-year deal. But it feels like Clowney's going to want more than $9 million. And I just feel like the Ravens, while he is the best edge defender on the market there, I think is better value in the draft. I think this edge class is very deep in the draft where you can invest in a different position. And all of a sudden you can have an edge talented player or a talented edge player for four or five years, depending on when you get them in the draft at a much, much cheaper price. So I wouldn't be shocked if the Ravens sign Clowney. They do need some veterans in that room, but I think for the Ravens, Clowney would be an option, but I'm not necessarily counting on him coming to Baltimore. Next, we have Stephon Gilmore, the number 16 player on this list corner. He's 31 and a half years old and like he's an outside corner. So he's not going to provide you options in the slot, but Look, I mean, a, a cornerback trio, if they can make it happen, of Stephon Gilmore, Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, that's a lethal secondary. You add Marcus Williams in there, you add Chuck Clark in there. The Ravens might just say, hey, you know what? We're going to just make one of the best secondaries in this league right now and leave the middle linebacking to the young guys and figure it out from there. And I think that's a fine strategy. The issue, again, becomes what is Gilmore asking for? He's the best cornerback left on this market. Cornerback is a premium position in this league. He's going to want some money. And while... His play kind of dropped off from when he was in his heyday there in, in New England in those couple of seasons. You have to kind of weigh the pros and the cons here and say, well, the Ravens have historically invested heavily in their secondary. That has not changed this offseason with Marcus Williams. And obviously, yeah, Marlon Humphrey on a big deal. Marcus Peters on a big deal. So I wouldn't be shocked if the Ravens went after a player like Stephon Gilmore or get this Tyron Matthew. Now, a lot of people dismissed Tyron Matthew once Marcus Williams was signed. And spending big on two safeties is a little bit questionable, but Matthew to me and to a lot of other people is more than a safety. He's someone who plays in the slot a lot. He's someone who is just a versatile player overall. And he also just depending on what he is asked to do in Baltimore, he's played over 600 snaps in deep box slot. I mean, there is a lot of, there there are a lot of ways the Ravens can use a player like Tyron Matthew. So while you're not going to have, Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, and all these guys on the field all the time, a player like Matthew could come in and be like a stopgap type player for that. Not as not as like a stopgap player, more as like a, hey, we're going to have him in for a lot of snaps here. But the point with Matthew is that he's a star. He's going to be on the field a lot. And if you can rotate in a player like Matthew, we've seen the Ravens three cornerback tandems before with Marlon Humphrey and Jimmy Smith and Brandon Carr, and then Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters and Jimmy Smith. Tyron Matthew would add to that. He is a defensive back in my eyes. He's not purely a safety. He's not purely a corner. He does a lot of things well. I think it's something to keep an eye on. What I say it's likely, I wouldn't say likely, but I think that it is a possibility now if the Ravens are truly going, going to go like, hey, best player available. Let's see what Tyron Matthew can bring him. 
because he he is one of the versatile options remaining on this market. Number 20, Odell Beckham Jr., wide receiver. I don't think so. Coming off the ACL injury, I mean, look, we all know the player that he is. He flourished in Los Angeles, but I, I just don't think right now is the time for Odell Beckham to come to Baltimore. I think if they were to invest in a wide receiver, it, it feels like they're going to invest in one early well not early but at some point in this draft and John Harbaugh said he's happy with the group of young receivers so I'd be pretty shocked if Odo Beckham were to be the one to come to Baltimore Akeem Hicks is a very interesting option I mean he's a 3-5 tech guy uh he's one of the better run defenders in this league and also is a pass rushing option not the best pass rushing option but he can do it and he he he's better out of a nose tackle role. It seems like, and the Ravens have Michael Pierce to play that role now. So if you can put him, let's say it is Akeem Hicks over Clay's Campbell, if you can put him in a Clay's Campbell type role, that would be good for him. I'm not anticipating Hicks being a guy the Ravens could look at, but they could, if they want to just beef up that defensive line, Melvin Ingram, number 27 is interesting. The Ravens seemed like they had some interest in him last off season before he ended up signing with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then the Ravens ended up getting Justin Houston. But look, the Ravens need veterans in the edge room. Tyus Bowers is coming off of the Achilles. The Ravens, I mentioned, are cross-training Millie Harrison at the position. So you got to look at all the options. And I think Ingram, especially after going to Kansas City, was a very effective player all around. But this is not a player you're going to play for 90% of snaps. I think Ingram is an option for this team in a rotation. And that's the same type of thing we'll get to Justin Houston, but it's the same type of thing that Justin Houston would be. And I think in a veteran for now, would you rather invest nine, 10, 11 million dollars per season in the clowny, or would you invest, I don't know, two, three, four million in a player like Ingram or Houston, and then have that extra flexibility and maybe bring back a Clayus Campbell or bring in somebody else. I'm personally going with the rotation, bring in somebody else, but I understand the arguments for Clowney. I mean, Clowney's the best edge defender on this market still. So I think Ingram's an option. And then we'll talk about Justin Houston. He's coming up on this list. Antonio Brown. Um, I'm going to say no to Antonio Brown. I understand the talent as a player off the field. It's just, I've said this for, it seems like years and years now, but the off the field stuff, I think it's just too much for the Ravens to handle there. So we'll move on from Antonio Brown. Next we'll look at Clayus Campbell. I think Clayus Campbell is very likely to be back in Baltimore you know, nothing that I've heard or anything, but just from the way that the Ravens have been talking about him and John Harbaugh having his fingers crossed and Eric DaCosta and Campbell talking all the time. But it, it, it's pretty well known that Campbell enjoyed his time with the Ravens and he, he's spoken very glowingly of the organization. He's doing his due diligence and, you know, credit to him for doing that. I think he absolutely should be doing that, but it just seems like the Ravens give Campbell the best chance to win at this point. And he wants to win. Campbell's a highly competitive player. The Ravens are a highly competitive team. I think the Ravens have gotten better this offseason. I know the AFC moves have kind of overshadowed a little bit of that, but I do think that the Ravens have gotten better. So then looking at a player like Campbell, he's still a high-level player. But again, he played the most defensive snaps out of any Ravens defensive lineman in 2021. Coming into the year, we were talking about how Campbell was going to be great in this limited rotation role, playing 50 maybe 55, 60% of snaps. And he was up there playing like 70% a game, 65% a game constantly. And that was due to injuries. And you have to, if you, if, if the Ravens bring back Campbell this year, it has to be in a rotational role. You want to save him for the end of the regular season, have him feeling good, feeling healthy The Ravens. They should invest a bit in their defensive line. And I think for Campbell and then maybe a couple of young guys that will really help him if Campbell's in that rotational role for sure. Dwayne Brown, I don't think this is an option. He's a tackle. He's going to be 30, or he, he is 36 and a half right now. And I mean, I just think that 
look, if the money's right and all of a sudden he he's like, all right, I'll take a one year prove it deal or something. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think he's maybe looking for more of like a two year, three year type deal. But if he can't get that and he's saying, well, I'll be a one year stopgap option is a backup, let's say maybe, maybe, but I think the Ravens, they got their, their veteran tackle and Morgan Moses. And they're pretty set there in my opinion. Next Rob Gronkowski, number 38. Interesting, but I don't think, I don't think it's going to be the Ravens for Rob Gronkowski. The Ravens need a third tight end. Gronkowski would not be a quote unquote traditional third tight end, you know, still one of the better tight ends in this league. But I think Baltimore feels confident that they can draft somebody in this draft class that will be able to provide them with the skill set that they need. Chigga Conquo got an endorsement from Lamar Jackson a couple of days ago. So you'd love to see that. And I think that yeah, overall the Ravens, Gronkowski's probably not on their radar right now. Justin Houston. I think Justin Houston here, the number 40 free agent for PFF. He's somebody who would come in and, and do a good job. He did a good job last year in Baltimore. I know a lot of people might look at the sack numbers and say, well, you can't have that little sacks and you know, bring, you, you can't bring them back at that total. But when was the last time we've seen the Ravens have consistent sack totals? It's been, it's been a little bit. So Houston, I think did a good job in a veteran rotational pass rush role. That's where I think he can excel at this point in his career. You're not going to ask him to defend the run a ton. You know, he's, he's, he's a situational pass rusher. He's more, he's more of a pass rusher at this point in his career than I believe Melvin Ingram is, but Ingram is the better run defender at this point. So for me, I think either of those options will be fine. It just depends on if the Ravens want to bring back the familiar face or if they want to get a little bit more balanced and have a guy who's able to defend the run in Ingram. So we'll see how that ends up shaping up. Justin Houston is 40. Jerry Hughes is 42, another rotational pass rusher option. He's going to be 34 in August. So again, situational guy. Just You just have to depend a lot of different things on, do you want the familiar face? Hughes compares more to Houston that he's more of just a pass rusher at this point in his career. I'd rather have Houston the familiar face, but you know that that's just me overall. Number 46, Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry and Julio Jones are probably the two receivers I'm most on board with the Ravens bringing in from a veteran perspective. I think Jarvis Landry, he still has it. Jarvis Landry is still a very talented player. Julio Jones kind of on the downswing here. Injury still a very big concern, but I think now that you don't have to give up the capital, pay the big contract, there's an option. There's a need for a big body receiver. I think Julio could do that for them, but again, it wouldn't be in this starring role. He'd be on the field a lot, but you know, the Ravens, they need a guy like that. But if the injuries take the toll, then it's not going to be a starring role because he's going to be on the sideline a lot. So you got to weigh those factors. But I think Landry and Jones are my two picks for veteran receivers to come on this Ravens team. Same thing with Devontae Parker, but he's not a free agent at this point. Finally, to round out the top 50 here is Steven Nelson, number 49. Then Alexander Johnson is the next at 59. But I think the Ravens could look at this. He, he's been an overachiever. Steven Nelson has for the course of his career. He's a physical corner. He is a zone guy, but can fit in most defenses overall. I, I wouldn't hate the move. I, I think at this point, if the Ravens are going to go corner, just swing for the fences and go for a player like Gilmore, if he's available and available at the price point they want. But again, with the corner position, it's much like edge. If they feel like that's not a necessary investment for them to invest in a star at the position, there are stars throughout the draft, like Sauce Gardner, like Derek Stingley, and all the different players, Andrew Booth, Trent McDuffie, et cetera. There are not only stars, there's quality depth throughout the whole draft. So I think that this is a time for the Ravens to look to pivot. I think pivoting to the edge position, to the cornerback position, to maybe a Tyron Matthew versatile position would be great. You can bring in two guys maybe for the price of a, of a Wagner. There are a lot of different options the Ravens can pivot with. There's still a, a lot of quality free agents out there that the Ravens can work with. So while Wagner, again, it's disappointing he's not coming to Baltimore, the Ravens have those options. We'll head into our final break. 
Bill on Locked On Ravens. Let me get back. We'll be diving into mock drafts on Twitter. So be sure to stay tuned. Still a ton to talk about on Locked On Ravens. But first, let me tell you a bit about Bill Bar. And again, people give up on their news resolutions all the time, but don't do it this year. Don't do it because there is Built Bar to help you get through your eating healthy resolution if that's what you're going with. And Built Bar has a lot of cool things going on. They got Built Bar Puffs, which are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow, which means they're fluffy and marshmallowy as well. The Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Me, myself, I am a chocolate fan. They contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, 17 grams of protein. They have a ton of great flavors like mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, etc. So go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCK15. Get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. We're back. Our final segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Allstrike, your host, still here with you. And we're going to now talk about mock drafts from Twitter. But first, thank you for making Locked On Ravens your first listen every day. We're going to take a two-day break. When we get back, we'll be diving into another mock draft. Monday, I'll put out my mock draft. Sunday tweet. Always great to get those mock draft Sundays from you, the listeners, as well. So if you want to submit your mock draft, you read out here on Monday show or throughout the rest of that week. Be sure to put that in the Locked On Ravens quote tweet that I quote tweet my mock draft with, but make your second listen locked on NFL draft with Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback, Eric Crocker, as they bring the NFL draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college prospects and now for an NFL for an offices. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And let's talk about these mock drafts. Now rounding out the week with some, we got under the locked on Ravens quote tweet. That's where I look at them from and I'll go in the order. I see them. So we'll first here, look at a mock draft from Miguel Duran. I hope I said that right. I apologize if I didn't, we have a 14th overall pick of Jordan Davis, interior defensive lineman, Dino Falele, offensive tackle at 45, Nick Benito, edge at 76, Cole Strange, interior offensive lineman at 100, Maziah Sanders, edge at 110, Kobe Bryant, corner at 119, Cam Jurgens, interior offensive line, 128, Brian Cook, safety at 139, Zamir White, running back at 141. Yeah, this is, this is a good mock draft. I know Jordan Davis has been picking up steam recently, unblockable in single blocks. I mean, you, you have to double team Jordan Davis. You're picking two massive humans. If you're the Ravens going with Davis and Valeli off the bat, that is, that is, that's some big boys coming into this Ravens team in the trenches. Then I think Nick Benito is very underrated. You also have Majai Sanders, two edge rushers, 76 and 110. The Cole strange cam Jurgens pairing. Very interesting. I, I view both, both as centers in my opinion. So I'm probably going one or the other, and then maybe taking an inside linebacker, or a tight end, maybe where Jurgens is if you're taking Strange, or where Strange is if you're taking Jurgens, and then you also have the corner depth there with Kobe Bryant and also Brian Cook, who was Bryant's teammate over in Cincinnati, and there's Amir White, who I think is a very underrated running back. I know he's kind of picking up steam here, so this is a good mock draft. Addressing the trenches early, getting two edge players earlier on, and then you know my only thing again is maybe taking one of the projected centers out and maybe putting it in an inside linebacker or a tight end of that nature. So good start off here. Next, we're looking at a mock draft from Sean. We have a, we have some big trades going on here. All right, let me zoom in. First, we have the Chiefs receiving pick number 14. The Ravens getting 29, 30, 135 in the fourth round, 243 in the seventh round, and 259 in the seventh round. So getting all the picks. Then the Ravens trade 29, 76, 110. 196, 259 for 35 and 38. Ooh, interesting. So at 30, Renard Raymond, the tackle from Central Michigan, is at 30. Travis Jones, defensive lineman from Connecticut, is at 35. Then the Ravens trade 38 and 135 for 42 and 73. 
George Pickens, Georgia wide receiver, is at 42. Jalen Petrie, defensive back from Baylor, is at 45. Martin Emerson, corner from Mississippi State, is at 73. Luke Fortner, center at 100. Zach Tom, tackle at 119. Tyreek Smith, Ohio State, edge at 128. Neil Jr., defensive lineman at 139. And Jelani Woods, tight end at 141. So a lot of trades here. The Ravens trade back for two late first rounders. I don't, I don't hate that move if the board falls a certain way and the Ravens, you know, they, they have no one on their board they want there and they, they feel like they can get two quality players there. Then the Ravens move back again to get two high second round picks because we all know there are those fallers from the first round that kind of sneak into the second round. And the Ravens usually don't have those high second round picks. So you're like, oh, if only the Ravens had the high second round picks to, to nab these guys or something. And so there are two here in this mock draft, which I, I really like. George Pickens has been somebody who was a fan favorite at wide receiver for the Ravens. Super physical. So he, he's a fun player to watch. You know, I, I'm getting on the George Pickens train a little bit. Jalen Petrie, super versatile defensive back. I don't know if he'll be here at 45. But Bernard Raymond is an interesting player. He ended up coming over and is a tight end first and then ended up kind of putting on the weight to be a tackle is more developmental at this point. For me though, I'm probably not taking two tackles. So if Raymond is the pick at 30, Zach Tom for me is probably off the board. Maybe I'm taking again, another edge rusher or an inside linebacker or a running back. But I think Travis Jones really had potential at 35 there. You have Neil Farrell Jr. to kind of be the other defensive lineman in that situation. Luke Fortner's gotten some hype out of, the, out of Kentucky as a center. Martin Emerson's a nice compliment in that secondary as well that adds Jalen Petrie. So, again, hitting on needs, I probably just wouldn't take two tackles because the Ravens already signed Morgan Moses and they have other guys who can flex out. So they need tackle depth, and maybe there'll be a guy in undrafted free agency, for example, who they would trust over You know, maybe taking two offensive tackles and then not having the necessary capital to take another position of need there. So very trade plentiful mock draft there from Sean. I like it. I, I like it a lot. Next, as I scroll... We're going to take a look at a mock draft from QM25, who has the Ravens taking Jordan Davis at pick number 14. Roger McCreary, corner at 45. Travis Jones, third defensive lineman at 76. Cam Taylor, Britt, corner 100. Rasheed Walker, offensive tackle 110. Damon Clark, linebacker 119. Kyron Williams, running back 128. Luke Fortner, interior offensive lineman 139. This is a good one. I, I like this. Cam Taylor, Britt's one of my favorite mid-round corners in this draft for the Ravens. Rasheed Walker, one of my favorite mid-round offensive tackles. You have Roger McCreary, who's one of my favorite corners overall. Not not quite to the sauce Gardner, Derek Stanley level, but he's up there for me. Taking Jordan Davis and Travis Jones is what I want to address here because there is no edge rusher taken in this class and the way that free agency, or in this draft and the way that free agency has played out. Maybe I'd replace Travis Jones with an edge rusher. You know, maybe I'd replace Jordan Davis with a Jermaine Johnson, Trayvon Walker, if they're there. But again, you take what the mock draft simulator gives you. I, I don't know what was there, but I think two interior defensive linemen over one edge is probably not the route I would go just because they need, they, they just need depth right now there. So if in a couple of weeks we're talking about, oh, the Ravens signed two edge rushers in free agency, then, then the conversation is a bit different. But for me at this point, I'm probably taking an edge rusher either at 14 or 76 and then keeping either Davis or Jones, but you got the linebacker, the running back, the center late. So this is a good mock draft. And again, good mid round value here for QM 25. And finally, let's get into a mock draft from ROC build who says, does it count if you crank up the randomness? Cause LOL. So we'll do this one, then one more. Cause the randomness here is, is pretty crazy. So 14, Kayvon Thibodeau, edge from Oregon. 45, Travis Jones, Kentucky, Kentucky, Connecticut, defensive line. And Roger McCurry, corner, 76. Kenyon Green, 
guard at 100, Bernard Raymond, tackle 110, Nick Benito, edge 119, Brees Hall, running back 128, Daniel Falili, tackle 139, Neil Farrell Jr., defensive line 141, Jelani Woods, Virginia tight end 196. Yeah, this this is never happening. It's, it's fun to look at, though, but Falili's going before the fourth round. Green's going in the first or second. Like, it'd be great. Like, hey, I would take this 10 times out of 10, and there have, there have been rumblings that Thibodeau might fall, so that might not be the – the most random pick in the world. I would love that selection, but yeah, this is, this is a funny one here. It'd be, it'd be amazing if the Ravens were able to, to grab this draft class, but let's actually now look at a mock draft from sleepy baguettes who has the Ravens taking David Ajabo at pick 14, Jalen Petrie corner defensive back from Baylor at 45 Dylan Parham, Memphis guard at 76 Donovan West center from Arizona state at 100 Simon McCollum corner from Sam Houston at 110. Sterling Weatherford, Miami safety of Ohio safety at 119 Pierre strong jr. Running back South Dakota state at 128 Jelani was tight end Florida 139 Zach Tom tackle 141 Thomas Booker defensive line at 196. This is an interesting one. David Jabo at 14 after his injury. A lot of people don't have him there anymore, myself included. I'd trade up in the first round for him. I'm not necessarily taking him with the 14th pick. I just think there are too many other talented playmakers there. If the Ravens have a mid-20s pick, I'd be completely content with that if they want to trade back in. But at 14, I'm kind of steering away from there. Petrie, I love a lot. Parham's very underrated. You got the guard-center combo there at uh, with Donovan West in 100s. I am a call him super underrated as a corner. For me, I think maybe instead of investing three picks in the offensive line, I might take a defensive tackle in this draft. Or actually, wait, there's Thomas Booker. What am I saying? Thomas Booker is 196. So yeah, that that being said, it hits the needs overall. This is a this is a very good draft. You got edge and corner, or edge and defensive back, one two combo there. You're just the offensive line, second corner. You get the running back, the tight end, the tackle, and all of them are good players. So a very nice mock draft here from Sleepy Baguette, but. That's all I have for you here today on Locked On Ravens. Again, thank you for making Locked On Ravens your first listen and tuning in and subscribing and following and everything. We're going to take a two-day break. We have some special content coming up next week on this show. I hope to have it out and have everything situated with it. So I'm still figuring out everything and when, when stuff, the timing and everything, but there is a lot. So be sure to subscribe to get that. We have a very special treat, hopefully upcoming. So Again, that's all I have for you here today on Locked On Ravens. After our two-day break, we'll look at another mock draft Monday, so be sure to stay tuned for that, and I will see you on Monday.